It came from New Jersey Podcast, episode four. Today we're talking about Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. This is a big record. Um, I'm your host, Pete. And I'm your host, Bob. How's it going, Pete? It's going pretty good. Um, this, I think, is like the elephant in the room of albums. Um, you know, anyone that looks at a podcast that claims to talk about albums from New Jersey, I feel like this is one of the first that's going to come to mind. So um, it's it's going to be an interesting conversation. I, I agree. I am. Uh, I don't know. When we talked about doing this one, I was like, hmm, I'm not sure. Is this going to be? Let me put a uh, spoiler here. It was really fun to listen to this record and think about it in terms of doing it for this podcast. So I'm very glad we did it. Uh, absolutely feels like the 300 ton elephant that you, if you're talking about records from New Jersey, you can't ignore this one. Yeah, definitely. Um, where does this, I guess, you know, just to kind of start off the conversation, how big of a Springsteen fan are you in general? And then, you know, where does this album kind of lie in your, you know, within your interest of Springsteen? Okay. So let's see. To answer the first part, I am a Bruce Springsteen fan. And I guess it's more than casual. Like, I, I really do. Like, I love Born to Run. I really like Nebraska. I've grown to have like a real appreciation for it. Um, greetings from Asbury Park. I enjoy. Darkness on the Edge of Town, I enjoy, but it's like those ones I don't listen to. When I go to stuff, Born to Run's the record I pull. Um, Nebraska is the one that I'm like, man, you know what? <clears throat> when I have sat with that record, it's a record that I owned on vinyl because I bought it used uh, probably in the early 2000s. Uh, but I, when I was living on my own in New Brunswick, I owned it. Uh, but I also bought it on CD used at Amoeba when I lived in L.A., and, uh, and I used to listen to it a lot driving around. So, um, yeah, like when I do something with, I'm like, damn, this record. Ooh. Um, but born in the USA is the one that was my first experience with Bruce Springsteen because my parents owned it and on vinyl. And so I would listen to it. And when I was, you know, six years old, born in the USA, the song was the song I really liked. Uh, so, um, yeah, no, I, I know this record really well, but I had completely forgotten that I knew this record very well. So this was almost like a, oh, I know this weird deep cut song. Oh, yeah, I know this one too. All right, <laughs> you know. Um, how about you? That's cool. Um, I uh, So I'm definitely a Springsteen fan. Um, I really, really like the first six records. I'd I mean, I like this record too. So I guess I like the first seven um, pretty much start to finish. And I even go as deep as, um, I think lucky town has some tracks. I think so. you, um, you don't ride for ghost of Tom Joad. Not really, but honestly, like I've, I've gone deep with Springsteen. Like I've, I've definitely listened to every album. I think they all have tracks really, but, um, yeah. it's just a matter of the kind of consistency of the albums. You know, I feel like over time they get longer and less interesting for me. Yeah. Um, kind of starting with everything after born in the USA. Mm -hmm. Actually, I don't know. Tunnel of love is pretty good. Start to finish, but that's not what we're talking about anyway. Um, not today. That's on, that's uh, episode number uh, 53. Right. Exactly. Tunnel of love. Um, 
big fan of Springsteen. Um, but this album is just never the one I go to. Um, I like a lot of the songs on it. We'll talk deeper about it, but I was kind of raised listening to, um, greetings from Asbury park and E street shuffle. Those were my dad's favorites. Um, because he was born in Jersey. I think he saw, you know, steel mill, which was Bruce Springsteen's band before he kind of went solo and, uh, you know, called himself Bruce Springsteen like that. Um, so he saw steel mill a few times. He saw Springsteen early on. So I think he had like this deep affinity for that really early kind of bar rock stuff. Um, oh, oh yeah. And when it got like big enough, he was less interested. So I just, I didn't hear that stuff all that much until a little bit later. Um, and honestly, you know, I'm not going to lie in middle school, high school, growing up in New Jersey, everybody loved Springsteen to the point that I just didn't want to like him because of that. Right. Um, so I really didn't go down the Springsteen rabbit hole until I was really in college. Um, I think I listened to born in the USA again. I think I listened to Nebraska again. I was like, these are actually really great records. And then I, you know, from there just took the deep dive. So, uh, that's such a great point. Um, the kind of like rejection acceptance of Bruce Springsteen that, that I think many New Jerseyans, uh, feel because, because, you know, I, I think I've alluded to the story and, you know, this was a long time ago. I think I must've been, maybe I was 22, 23, 24. And a friend who was younger, who was maybe 18 or 19, kind of in a very funny way says to me, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm not sure I really like Bruce Springsteen. He's like, I I love Bruce Springsteen. And in my head, I like him, but then I listen to the records and I don't know if I like it, (laughs) which was funny. And, you know, like I bet that person really likes some Bruce Springsteen now. Um, that's a confusing thing. Yeah. Because it's so, it's so, especially if you're from the Jersey shore, this part of the state, um, ocean and Monmouth County, he's, is he inarguably the largest artist to come from this area? I don't think you can debate it. Right. I, I really want to say he is. I wish I actually had the numbers in front of me because it's, it has to be versus him, him and Bon Jovi, but and, and Bon Jovi, like the the secret of Bon Jovi is he actually grew up in like Sayreville, yeah. So like whatever, like and you know with all that stuff, like so whatever. But yeah, it's it's right there. And I have to say, like Springsteen's certainly aged better. Though I yeah. guess we got to do Slippery When Wet at some point too. So, oh, we will, okay. we will. Okay, good. So uh, to me, I um, man, I I think this record is fascinating because it's got a lot going on. But at the same point, it feels, and and you've got a little bit more tenure to this too, so I want you to kind of inform me. This feels like a breaking point in his career. Um, And when I was thinking about it myself, not a breaking point, like he was popular. This record probably took him to another level of popularity in national spotlight. Um, But he was on that trajectory anyways. But sonically, there's kind of there's a few changes that go along, and and this is his biggest sounding record to date. I, I would would you agree with that? Yeah, this is like full on stadium rock vibe, right? I don't, and, I don't and, know that he ever went back to that sound, really. No, I mean, I think what's the record after this? Uh, you mentioned it, Tunnel the, of Love. Tunnel of Love. 
it, there's some there's some stuff that touches on that, but this record is just sounds it booms. It's a big record, yeah. And especially coming on the heels of Nebraska, which is his most lo-fi, like kind of raw stuff. It's I mean most, but I mean it really feels rough and raw and, and when you do some research on it, you realize like, oh, it, you know, it, it is. It's it's demos basically that were released that he was like, this is an album. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my first impression, what was your first impression of this record on the re-listens for this, for this episode? Um, it feels, I mean, maybe I'm kind of showing my cards too early, but it, <laughs> it it's, it's so, it's so big that, it's kind of exhausting for me. Um, like there are definitely tonal shifts, you know, um, like, uh, I'm on fire or downbound train. Yep. You know, those songs, um, definitely a little bit more melancholy, a little bit more downbeat. Um, but they're all still like really, really big songs. Mm -hmm. Um, so the energy is there. I just, you know, the reason that I never go to this album is because the Springsteen that I like the most, I think, is like Darkness on the Edge of Town era. Yeah. Like those type of songs where they're they're definitely, you know, loud rock songs, but it doesn't feel as like stadium rocky. Like it doesn't have that energy to it. Oh, yeah. No, um, completely not. Yeah. So like, I don't know this. It's just it's. I'm by the end of the record, I'm like, I'm, I'm ready for it to be done. And not because I don't like it, but just because I can't like stay with that energy for that amount of time. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Um, so let's talk about this a little bit. If you were saying to someone, the biggest who's had never heard Bruce Spring, Springsteen before, I'm going to have trouble today. Springsteen is hard. I'm repeating it over and over. I was talking about it earlier. We can just call him the boss. The boss, Bruce. <laughs> he's, he's a close friend, Bruce. Um, right. If you were to introduce someone to Springsteen, they had never heard anything by him before. We go through a few questions, so I hope you're ready. One, yeah. what is the record you would tell them they should hear first? Born to Run. Okay. Why is that? Because I feel like it is recognizable enough um it kind of gives you a taste of everything to come um i just feel like all the songs on that album are great and i think that if if there's not something in that album that you like you're just not gonna like you're not gonna be along for the ride i think i agree um there's also just for a record that born to run 1975 uh almost 40 minutes long feels vital and energetic even by 2020 standards yeah absolutely so and it still has depth and and some different things going on um okay what is the material you would tell them to stay away from until they are entrenched so hey don't go near this stuff unless you really, really love Bruce Springsteen. I mean, are we talking like classic album era? Yeah, let's 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 run it through through Born in the USA. Yeah, okay. Because I'm going to assume most people just don't go 
hyper deep, yeah. you know. I don't but, think um, I don't think many people are going Ghost of Tom yeah. Jones. <laughs> or or any of the like X amount of records he's done after that, which that'll be a fun game to play at some point, I guess. I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of people go there, you know, it's just that's, a matter that's of that's very true, just not me. Yeah, right. Um, if if they want to go super deep, um, but don't just kind of steer away from this one till you're ready. Yeah. Um, I am thinking either, um, East Street Shuffle or Nebraska. Um, And both are really different reasons. I think that um, East Street Shuffle sounds like a different band. I mean, a lot of the players, it was a different band for the most part. Um, But uh, it's, it's, it's just a totally different sound. I think he really like kind of got where he wanted to be with um, Born to Run. So, I don't know. It's just, uh, it feels more like a local bar band than it does, you know, like the big music that you're used to hearing from Springsteen. And then Nebraska's for the opposite reason, where just like you said, it was essentially demos that he turned into an album, which both of those albums are great. I just think that, you know, it's a, it's a different thing than people are typically used to with Springsteen. Yeah. And so I think I'm with you. That begs the question now, where is Born in the USA in this conversation? I mean, I have to think this was obviously an entry point for a lot of people. Um, oh, oh, yeah. You know, especially I mean, because it comes out it comes out nine years after um, Born to Run. <clears throat> uh, so it's it is certainly exposing to a new generation of people, you know, while also. I, I'm going to stay away from saying it's it's evolving with the audience or the audience is evolving with it. But, you know, hey, 1975 and 1984 were very different times in the world, in the country, and musically. So, Right. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was definitely already big. You know, I mean, this was just like, it was a, it was a massive jump for someone who, had, who was already massive. Like, he went from playing the PNC Bank Arts Center to Giant Stadium, you know. Um, yeah. so I don't know, you know, um, people obviously got into him through this album, but I don't know. I don't know, like really where Springsteen fans lie on this. I think, you know, there's a lot of love for it. It's a classic album. It sold 30 million copies. Um, but I know that Springsteen himself doesn't really ride for it all that hard. Um, I think he said that it's it's not like an album that he goes back to personally. Um, yeah, I, I think that's so interesting too because um, clearly commercially it put him into a different space. Um, yeah, and I mean, I would say that <clears throat> he knows these songs because he has to play them. <laughs> like, like how many of these songs in a twenty whatever Bruce Springsteen set has does he have to play? I'm going to look this up. Like, I mean, he, he, has, he has to and go he, the majority of the album. Yeah, right. Um, set list. Let's see. All right. Let's see the most recent set list I can find for him. Okay. Um, oh, that, that didn't happen. All right. All right. Bruce Springsteen at Rock for the Rainforest. Hold on. Can I guess? Well, this is only... Well, he only played a couple songs here at the Beacon Theater. It was some little set, but you should guess. 
Yeah, I want to get for one of the big sets. Um, There's only two songs. Let me. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you these. He did Glory Days on this record and Dancing in the Dark. So, there you go. And then uh, let's see. I want to get a full set. Okay, Stone Pony. Yeah, Ooh. find one of like his four hour long sets. Okay, so we have a set list here from MetLife Stadium, 2016. Let's see how many songs. Yeah, why don't you guess how many he plays? I'm going to go conservative and say he did five. He did He did six. And this is an interesting set. He does Darlington County, Working on the Highway, Downbound Train, I'm on Fire, Block, Dancing, Dancing in the Dark, and Glory Days. No okay. Born in the USA. I would have guessed some of those and would, have not, would not have guessed others. Yeah, no, I, uh, oh, actually, and I'm going down. So he does a five-song block here. I'm going down Darlington County, working on the highway, downbound train, I'm on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Which are not, that was not, that would not be what I'd guess. So, um, okay, let's let's talk about this. Based on the, the record cover, like everything about this is kind of on the nose till you peel it apart. When you see the cover to this record, is there any question that this is a stadium arena level record? No. Like, so so do you think it's, is there some homage to Sticky Fingers slash them using the iconography of the flag? Like, like I just feel like everything about it is big rock and roll, you know? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what they were going for. And they landed it. Totally um, landed it. Now that said, as, as you mentioned, I don't know that many people. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's a crazy thing to say. Um, there are a lot of people who I'm sure this is their favorite Bruce Springsteen record. For me, it's not particularly close. Though when I listened to it, I was like, "Oh, I like more songs on this than I remember." Um, and I'm sure it's a lot of people's favorites. Is there any negative or preconceived feelings that you had going into this before actually listening to it? Um, I mean, you know, it's one of those albums that it's hard to it's hard to pick apart how I felt, um, how I may have felt, I guess, if this was like the first time listening to it. Um, right. You know, there are definitely songs on this album. And as a Bruce Springsteen, like as a big fan, I... I'm okay saying this. Like, I could never hear Born in the USA or Dancing in the Dark again in my entire life, and I'd be totally fine with it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so there are certain songs on this that, like, you know, if I was playing the CD, I'd hit the skip button, you know? Uh, oh, but, yeah, that was that was kind of it. I was just, I was, I was mostly just looking forward to the songs that I hadn't revisited in a while. Um, kind of knowing that I wasn't going to be super psyched to hear the same songs that I am kind of bored with at this point. Oh, I'm excited to, to rip that up open because it, there's some <laughs> interesting part there because I, I, part of me agrees. Um, I went into this going, man, this, this record, my only memory of it was that, man, this is a long record. <laughs> <laughs> um that was my only preconceived kind of like all right let's do this uh the first time i jumped in and and uh for the behind the scenes production we actually recorded this a week later than we had planned to because i kind of said to, to pete i was like 
So I'm about to go do this road trip, and I think if I have this record to listen to while I'm driving kind of through the middle of Nowheresville, Pennsylvania, it might it might enhance my deeper listening. And it did. I, I have to report back. It did. So, um, But I, I really wanted to give it some time and air to really think about and listen to these songs and listen to the record as a whole. Though, to be honest, there were some elements of that that left me kind of like eh, a little bit emptier than I thought I would feel. Um, but yeah, let's, so let's dive in. Is Born in the USA a good song? I think it's definitely a good song. I just, you know, I just don't want to hear it anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously, it's like a great, I think it's a great song. I mean, you can pick it apart on a lot of different levels. Um, I think it's probably, you know, and I'm not the only, I'm not definitely not the first person to say this, but it's definitely one of the most misunderstood songs of all time. Yeah, agree. Explain that for somebody who might not know. So, um, it, it, it's out there and you can hear more, but we'll, we'll yeah. open the so, door for you. So, I mean, the long and the short of it, I think, is, you know, if you read the lyrics, it's about um, a Vietnam veteran. You know, they get back from war. They had just experienced all these terrible things. Um, and, you know, they're essentially just not being treated um, the way that they had expected to be treated as a U.S. veteran. You know, so... Um, there's this really distinct difference, I think, in the in the in the verses versus the choruses. You know, the the chorus sounds like this roaring, you know, patriotic anthem, but then you read the verses and it's really not about that at all. You know, it's 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 kind of like the narrator is explaining, you know, they're kind of how they're feeling downtrodden and how they're feeling let down. And then, you know, the choruses are essentially, you know, the narrator saying like, I was born in the USA. This is not how it's supposed to be. Like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that, um, there's a lot of things out there you can read about if you are, if this is news to you, I'm surprised, but, but also there's lots of people who are being exposed to things. So thank you for joining us. Um, the, immediacy of this is that one it was misinterpreted at the time you know you had the president of the united states at that point ronald reagan saying like oh this great american song and and it's sort of like uh, i don't know if most politicians would say this is like this inspiring song it's a pretty heavy-handed critique of how vietnam vets were were treated and the response to them when they returned the country and i mean to me it's a wonderful American message. I think it's great. And I think that that's like the kind of stuff that we should be highlighting. <laughs> However, it's a critique of the country. You know, it is a critique um, more so than a praise, but it is also, you know, and Springsteen went back and forth and talked about this. He's like, he's like, I, let me, let me be clear. I love the United States. I love America, but this is not some Patriot song like blind patriotism. So that push and pull is so so fascinating to me um with music that gets misinterpreted and you know when you when you read the lyrics of that song and i encourage people to you can see what it's about um i think in my research for this i, I read that springsteen had read uh the book born on the fourth of july which also was made into a popular movie um and that's a deeply affecting uh story so um it kind of details the the 
common plight that many Vietnam War veterans went through when they got back to the country um, and how different that was than veterans of war that had returned from Korea or World War II or, you know, any of the, the battles before that. But I agree. It's a great song. <clears throat> I have heard it one billion times in my life. I wouldn't say I avoid it, but I think part of the reason that this record kind of fell more into the back of Bruce Springsteen records that I would listen to is because it leads with this. It's the song that I associate with this record most, and I am tired of it. So when I listened to it and had heard it clean ears for the first time in a long time, I was like, oh yeah, there's a reason this song was popular. Both it's a great song and there's some real emotion going on with, with what Bruce is saying and and how it's saying, despite this being as big a record as it can be, as big production as it could be for a song like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, the emotion that's there is something you don't really hear in like most top 10, you know, rock songs. Right. Yeah. Um, it's definitely like kind of a different energy. I was actually, I was thinking like, although, you know, I am you know, like I said, don't need to hear the song again. I could play this record and skip the first track. Like watching, I watched a bunch of footage um, of him during this tour. And a lot of the times he would open with his song. And yeah. like, that was fucking awesome, actually. You know, I mean, this is a song that was like made for the arenas. Um, and I think that, you know, him playing with that energy with the big band behind him and these like enormous venues it's pretty oh, cool. I think yeah, it will I mean, be cool, you know. Yeah, in a in that environment, I feel like it's just what a set opener too. You know what I mean? Just think about the energy that you're just exploding into the room. So so that said, this record and I'll talk about how I feel about this record as a whole, but then I I think we can do kind of a fun thing here where we pick it apart just a little bit. I like the highs on this record. And then there's a lot in the middle that I'm so familiar with that I, I, how can I put this? It's like a blanket that's been at your grandmother's house. And you're really not sure. It's been in the guest room. And the guest room sort of has that musty, dusty smell because she cleans it, but not that often. And no one's ever in there. And you just don't know when the last time that that blanket hit the, hit the washing machine. But it's nice, and it's warm. And if you don't think about it too much, it's pretty comfortable. <laughs> and that's how I feel about a lot of the songs on this record. Because a lot of it to me is 80s bar rock that I am familiar with in such a way that it feels like walking into a sports bar in 1995 uh, or any time up until probably pretty recently, uh, any kind of a restaurant that had primarily wood paneling around um, was probably loud and boisterous. Like this is the soundtrack for that, that bar. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> so, so how about you on a whole, like, and, and it's, it's to say, and there's a couple points where I'm like, meh, I can get rid of this song and we'll talk about it. But as a whole, I, I enjoy the record, the highs I really like. And the middle, the middle, the median range of this record 
uh, I probably wouldn't revisit very often. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, all in all, I think it's actually a great record. Um, I'm just, you know, I think I'm downplaying how much I actually do like it. Um, it's just, you know, for a guy who's done so many great albums, like it's just not at the top of my list. That's all. But, um, I think, you know, if I saw him live tomorrow, I would like to hear probably like the downer tracks. Like I'd be more interested in hearing Downbound Train and I'm on Fire than a lot of the others. So Downbound Train is my sleeper hit on this record. Okay. I just think that song is great. And it's one I'm like, oh, yeah, this song deserves more attention and love. Um, because it's not, it's kind of hit. I mean, yo, it's, it's, uh, it wasn't one of the singles. And I think it might be my second favorite song on the whole record. And um, not being one of the singles, that's like three tracks. Correct. There's 12 songs in this record and seven singles. Yeah. So let's go through this because this is actually kind of a fascinating piece. Um, let's go through the singles and how they when they were released and we can talk about each song like that. Is that cool? Cool. All right. The first single released May 3rd, 1984 is Dancing in the Dark. And you brought this one up already. So please expand on your feelings on this song and everything about it, because I'm fascinated. I mean, uh, all right. So I, I love it. I can hear the pulling feelings for you on this song. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think if a song makes it to radio, there's like, there's obviously something good about it. Like it's, it's enough to catch, you know, a million people's ears and, you know, they might want to learn more about it. So I think it's a good track um, overall. I just, you know, again, I don't need to hear it, but it's also for me, like if I was younger um, and, you know, wasn't as understanding to the world as I am now, I think I would say that this is like a prime example of like Bruce Springsteen selling out. And what I mean by that is like, it's, once you start melding like dance pop music with rock and roll um, and it's so obviously different to what you've done in the past, um, you know, with an attempt with the obvious intent being like building a larger audience. Um, I don't know. I just like, I, I don't need it really because I feel like he's so good at what he does in general that like he doesn't need to do that. Um I also, I was reading about, you know, the backstory of this song and apparently um, most of the record was done, but yeah. um, what's his name? The producer. Yeah, what is his name? It's uh, Landau. John, John Landau, Landau thought that um, he needed a hit record, yeah. which is I don't crazy. Hear a yeah, which is in, obviously insane in retrospect, but insane. Yeah, but apparently he comes back the next. You know, apparently yeah. Bruce was all pissed off about it, and you know, like through gritted teeth, was like, "Fine, I'll make another single." You know, and like comes back literally the next day with like the whole thing put together, which you can almost hear in the song. Uh, it's a simple song, and and you can almost hear in the lyrics this kind of like tension there so anyways you yeah, continue no, i'll go to my dancing in the dark no totally i mean but to your point and that's what i was gonna say it feels like he kind of just 
angrily like threw a pop song together. Like I think he's he's so good at do like just writing what he wants to write that at this point, you know, having just written ob- like an obvious like pop machine of a record and being told that it didn't have a hit, he was like fuck, like all right, like you want to hit like I'll just give you the catchiest song, you know, you're going to hear this year or whatever. So um it's cool. I mean, I actually I like it more with the backstory, honestly, and I didn't know that previously. But, um, yeah, that's my feelings. What do you think? I, I love capital L love this song um, <laughs> and have since I was young, and it's one of the songs that it's like I I said, I'm born in the USA. Sounds better the less you hear it, you know, after a certain point. This song to me, I can loop and I'm I'm with it. So <clears throat> I agree. The background. Video. What's that? That's a great music oh. video. Oh, I'm doing the dance right now. Yeah. I'm in the chair, just like shoulder dipping the whole right. thing. Um, but visually, it's almost funny too. Like when you see the photos of Bruce from this era with his funny like bandana up high, all denim, everything, and then you hear this song, you're like. Yo, are you sure you didn't slip on like an all black, like tucked in shirt and dress pants for this track or what, you know? Um, but let me pull it back. That backstory is amazing. And it's also like <clears throat> telling because until doing the research for this, I never realized and never put together how overlapped Nebraska and Born in the USA were. And to find out that like, Essentially, Bruce had written some his his accounts are that he wrote around 70 songs. Yeah. And that the song Born in the USA was originally a song called Vietnam. And that, you know, he starts demoing stuff, working on these songs. And there was a point when Nebraska and Born in the USA, he was planning to have this big double album. Yep. Uh, quite honestly, <laughs> I am fascinated by what that could have been because I don't think Nebraska works with the production and uh, boom that Born in the USA has and the Born in the USA demo trackings. Like if you hear the demo of Born in the USA, which is on some like Bruce Springsteen compilation thing called tracks, which, which I'd recommend like actually has a lot of interesting stuff on it. I think it's great. Yeah. Agree. But that demo is so far from the final version. So I digress. But to think, he essentially wrote Nebraska and Born in the USA, two seminal American rock and roll records. And a producer comes and says, hey, I don't hear a single. I need another. (laughs) And he drops, like you said, you said it beautifully. He basically just is like, Okay, you want a single? Here's a single. And and it sounds very um it sounds different than the rest of the record. I don't even think I, I was I checked myself a little bit. It fits, kind of, but I also have problems with the way this record flows as an album. I think it's mostly singles and it's kind of there's some through lines, but like when you hear Nebraska, to me that's an album. That's a I'm gonna listen to this whole record straight through. Born in the USA, yes, you can do that. And there's a lot of, it, it rocks, but it's not, 
it's not nearly as cohesive as many other records. And especially with a guy like Springsteen, where I believe up until this record, he was almost being touted as like, hey, this is the new Bob Dylan. This dude is an everyman storyteller. And I don't want to say that he's not. But Born in the USA kind of becomes so popular and arena that it takes him out of that a little bit. Um, And Dancing in the Dark is no small part of it. What you said about that mixing in of kind of like a little more electronic and like dancey beat to it takes away. But when I listen to that, I still hear that this urgency and desperation with Bruce that like, man, (laughs) it gets me. I I love that song. I think about it. Um, I think the lyrical content, if he had mailed it in, phoned it in on the lyrics, uh, it could be a throwaway track. However, he really delivers. So um, that's my that's my plea and my case for Dancing in the Dark being the best song on this record. Best song on the record. Wow. I know. I, I went big on that one. Yeah. <laughs> which is which I agree. Like I don't. It doesn't. Like, do you think flow wise does it fit on the record? Uh, no. But I'm I'm generally with you with the uh, the idea that it just kind of generally doesn't flow as an album. And at this point, I mean, it yeah. is a collection of greatest hits. Really. Right. You know, so. <laughs> um, like, it, it, this is the record more so than anything up to this point in Springsteen's career, to my ear, to my familiarity, that is like, oh, I'm going to write songs for radio. <clears throat> and, and like, I don't even mean that in a negative way. I just mean, like, these are all songs that were like, yeah, there were seven, seven of 12 of these songs were released for singles. Because the record was that big and they all did well. Yeah. I mean, it definitely feels like it feels super confident, you know, like born in the USA or I'm sorry, born, born to run um, is like a guy trying to figure out where he's going. And this record, like he's firmly there, like he found exactly what he's trying to do and his voice, you know, 100%. I I think that confidence is what marries to, and I mean, I think I'd say this on, on a good amount of Bruce's material is that his confidence soars while you can still hear urgency. Yeah. And, and, and that is what really separates him from like, from a lot of the other great, you know, rock artists of his time, you know, like, yo, I love Tom Petty. Tom Petty's best moments are these quiet, kind of yearning and pulling at the heartstring moments. But he never quite hits the same notes as Bruce when Bruce is really going, you know? And I think there's almost still a confidence there with Petty as well, but Bruce is kind of a different thing. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's a great note. Okay, so that's the first single that's released. It was the last song written for both of these records, so that's kind of amazing. Uh, the next song was co- the next single was "Cover Me." Um, okay, song doesn't doesn't do anything crazy for me. Yeah, this one for me is it's kind of just a filler. Agree. The third track, "Born in the USA," released October thirtieth, nineteen eighty four. Um, big, big song. One. I mean, yeah. we kind of we covered it, but we kind of covered it. Uh, really misunderstood. Um, 
there's a it it stands next to the uh, Leonard Skinner song where they're denouncing is it the governor of uh, or the mayor or governor of, of Birmingham um, and that they you know they they didn't understand the lyrics <laughs> and so that became like this theme song but it was kind of like huh okay well there you go um, and. I don't know. It's it's a great song. I think when people understand the real meaning of it, it takes such a different meaning than just when it's played at at football games, you know? Right. I mean, I also think that we should say, you know, I was born in 1984, so I, I wasn't around when this album came out. But from what I've heard yeah, from, you know, friends of mine who are a little older and were around at this time, <clears throat> like you know, mega albums like this back then had a different effect than mega albums now. You know, I think that like now there's a lot of different genres. There's a lot of, there's honestly a lot more music, I think just happening just because of the way that people can record, um, you know, and the way that music is released. And the way that people can hear music. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So at this time, apparently, you know, I'm sure throughout the United States and the world, but um, definitely in New Jersey, Bruce Springsteen, it was like, it was like, you know, you could not not be a Bruce Springsteen fan, you know, like you had to be a Springsteen fan. He was the biggest, you know, musician in town. He was from New Jersey. There was such pride, you know, this was like the biggest record in the world. Um, Apparently it was like, you know, very overwhelming if you were like kind of lukewarm to him or didn't like him, you know, God forbid. Um, so, (laughs) um, I have to imagine that like, I don't know. I just, I just think it's, it's important to think about that too. In the context of the time, like records like this were unavoidable. It was fucking everywhere. You know? I mean, if this was a podcast about the 1980s, I think we'd have to talk about this record because I was, so I was born in 1981 so I don't remember 1984 when this came out, but I do remember 1986 and 87 and 88 and from there on. And I remember being a small kid and knowing the songboard in the USA. And I remember the impact this record had on a national level because I didn't live in New Jersey, but it was a big deal. This was such a big deal. Um, and it, the, I, I mean, we could really go deep into the ideas of American exceptionalism right now, um, yeah. which feels both relevant and like a topic that this podcast isn't totally designed for. But this was a time when the United States was really high on itself. And there was a lot of <clears throat> financial success. The country was growing. We were theoretically touting ourselves as the number one superpower in the world. This is still, this is still in the cold war, you know, spade a spade. This is still a time where we were kind of in a tense space with uh, the Soviet union being the other of the superpowers. And this kind of music, this kind of the born in the USA chorus resonated so hard when it was like, we're number one in, uh, in education, we're number one in science, we're number one in our military, we're number one in this, we're number one in, you know, space travel and blah, 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 blah. 
technology, you know, I think this record, through no intent of Bruce, played played a role and rode alongside and became part of the soundtrack of that time frame. Um, and it was really interesting uh, how it was on a national level. Because I, I want to also point out, when did you first move out of New Jersey and where did you move to? Um, I moved out in 2003 and I moved to San Francisco. When did you move in 2003, by the way? This might be get too personal, but we'll just... When? Yeah. Um, I think it was around... I think it was in August. Well, yeah, I because moved... I, I was traveling that summer and then I moved right before school started. Well, there you go. I moved in August of 2003 to, to Southern California, which is funny. Nice. Um, I did find myself with reason to still listen to the radio at that time. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I worked a weird job down there and sometimes you'd listen to the radio. I'd still listen to the radio in my car, which is sounds like uh, I was driving a Flintstones car at that point. But, um, no, I remember there was a conscious moment in my head where I'm like, oh, wow, I never hear Bruce Springsteen on the radio or Billy Joel. Um, and those two are – it came to me to kind of realize like, Oh no, those are innately like New York, New Jersey, Northeast artists at that point. <laughs> you know, um, it just didn't hit radio, be it classic rock alt or, you know, contemporary as they might say uh, in all the parts of the country. However, in the mid eighties, Bruce Springsteen was everywhere. Yeah. So, all right. Um, I'm kind of like talking myself into Born in the USA even more. I'm on <laughs> Fire is the fourth single released. I love this track. I think it's great. Is it your favorite song on the record? Not my favorite song on the record, but... Oh, uh, I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, this is a good song. Really good song. Yeah. In my top... In my top... 10 to 15 Bruce Springsteen singles, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's up there for me too. I, I honestly remember hearing this, um, when I was kind of defiantly anti Bruce, you know, in my, uh, more revolutionary years, um, yes. when I wasn't allowing myself to like Bruce Springsteen, but I remember always kind of having an affinity for this song. Yeah. I, yeah. This is just a good song. Um, maybe the most interesting tempo play on the record it's maybe one of the only songs where I'm like, okay, I could see putting this and dancing in the dark on the same record um, and figuring out some songs to put in between to make them work. Or I Uh, think this could have fit on Nebraska. Oh, oh yeah. Actually. Great point. I'm, I'm wondering if there's demo versions of I'm on fire that I'm not familiar with. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I I imagine there were like more kind of dressed down versions of this. Because that's a that's a dress that's a song you dress down easily, and you yeah. keep all the elements that make it kind of a special track. All right, number five, and it's like it, it speaks to it speaks to a couple things. One of which is the way that music industry and major music stuff had a formula in which they play, and if you go through popular records, you can find it. Um, Dancing in the Dark, big single. The second song, Cover Me, eh, you know, but let's follow that with Born in the USA. Huge track. I'm on fire. Good song, but different. 
you know, we don't want it to compete with Born in the USA for radio time, so it's going to be a different feel. Then they drop Glory Days. The fifth single off this record is Glory Days, a song that uh, if you were going to a beach bar anywhere on the eastern seaboard and stayed in there with them playing music, I'm sure you'd hear it in, in a three-hour window. Yeah. Feelings on Glory Days. Um, really good song. Um, but I don't know. It's uh, it's another one of those like big songs that kind of just washes over me at this point. That feeling that you've kind of expressed through some of your uh, feelings is exactly how I feel about Glory Days. Sure. It's a good song. It's infectious. You hear it, you know it. This is the song that, like, in the same way that Born in the USA is misinterpreted, I sort of wish Glory Days had that meta text as well. Because, <laughs> um, because and being that we both live relatively close to the towns that we grew up in at this point in our lives, this song reminds me of every person who grew up in a small town and stayed in that small town. Yeah. And kind of is like genuflecting back on like, man, do you remember that time? Uh, we were, we were out of high school for a couple years, but we were at the, the football game at the high school and uh, you know, and it's like, Oh God, there's a painful element to it. Um, that is both, funny but the song is good and it's like <laughs> this is the soundtrack to every person's like hey man remember that time let's let's drink a budweiser and talk about the good days and it's like fuck yeah. <laughs> nobody needs this midlife crisis but it's 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 another one of those tracks i think like it's it's like uh it's like born in the usa the song where I feel like it's just misunderstood. Like that's my hope. I hope it's misunderstood. I don't know if it is. That's what I'm like, he, like I don't think that he's trying to glorify like this sort of attitude or like whoever the narrator of this song is at all. I think it's like, you know, the opposite, but yes, I think that's right. Yes, it is. But, it, but, it, but, it, but it's one of those songs that like, you know, the people who could have, written this song like like the actual lyrics and like that sort of attitude and mentality like those are the people that probably love it you know which is fine um i just feel like it's i feel like he may like i don't know no you're you we were both right because let me give you the the wiki history here the song is a serial comic which is a word that i've never seen before in my life but i like it yeah, the song is a serial comic tale of a man who now ruefully looks back on his so-called glory days and those of the people he knew during high school. The lyrics to the first verse are autobiographical, being a recount of an encounter Springsteen had with former Little League baseball teammate Joe DePew in the summer of 1973, which, yep, sounds about right. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah. Um, so this is a song that is good. Uh, if I never heard it again in my life, I'd be just fine. It fits in the mold of a few of the other songs on this that are big, big room produced bar rock songs of the 1980s. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, like there's like the one the difference is like it's almost like he turns in some of the R and B bluesy swagger of the early his early material that also can get thrown into some bar rock categories and and with good reason for a touch of honky tonk like and like swinging kind of songs that <laughs> that just don't do it for me that well. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, um, it's just just real quick. It's please. funny. <laughs> the deeper we go into the songs, I don't feel like either of us like a lot of these songs. I feel like we just feel so for whatever reason, we're so beholden to them. We don't want to like say that we don't like it. No. And, and like, so we're going through the singles. We'll go through the tracks and just go, we'll, we'll be really hard. All right. We'll, we'll speed it up for that process. Um, the next two singles, and we'll just close it out here on the singles. I'm going down and then my hometown. Um, I'm going down is fine but it feels like filler to me i'm going down yeah agreed and then my hometown it's for me it's i feel like he's done this song better yeah Um, it's it's i know like i know what i want i want it to be i want it to be like i don't know um I can't think of a good example, but it's, it's similar to songs he did in the past. Um, it's, it's a good closer track. I just feel like it, it doesn't hit the way that Bruce, you know, kind of going for this sort of, um, sentiment tends to hit or has hit in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with that. It's the closing track on this record and I think it's just okay. Um, it doesn't, it's not a, it doesn't pack punch, and it, it kind of, again, falls to me like this is the song after Dancing in the Dark, which is odd because Dancing in the Dark is second to last song on this record. And you go like, really? That's weird. Okay. But I guess he didn't – there's nowhere to put it in this record to have it flow. So, And I don't think they were particularly cared about the flow of this record. So we are going to be really strict here. Keep it, ditch it just on a – Oh no, we'll do I like it, I don't like it. No other commentary. Okay. <laughs> and uh we'll go back and forth. Um okay. with who says it first. Born in the USA. I um, like it. I like it. Cover me. I don't like it. Don't like it. Darlington County. Uh I like it. Yeah, I'm going to give it an I like it, even though it might be closer to it's okay, but I like it. Yeah, agreed. I'm definitely in the middle there. <sighs> Working on the highway. Don't like it. Don't like it. The song that I, when it's playing, I'm like, all right, how much more do we got on this one? Let's go. Yeah. This is this is the one track that I like actively dislike. Right. Yeah. Like I, I was like, if he was playing, this is when I'm going to get popcorn. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely downbound train like it like it like it a lot uh sleeper hit as i mentioned good tonal shift from the record the the three songs before it for sure really the first four um and uh yeah i i think this song gets slept on and it's not a song i've ever really heard people talk about but i like it a lot well yeah i was psyched that when you read the set list this is one of the tracks because i would love to hear him play this Agree. And I think he could do the album version, you know, try to stay faithful to that, or do a stripped down version. And I, I bet the stripped down version of the song would sound great. Yeah. I'm on fire. 
Like it. Like it. No surrender. Like it. Um, one of my top three tracks on the record. Oh wow! Yeah, like it. Not in my uh, not in my top three, but it it stays on the record for me. Yeah, this is one of those ones that I think if it was a bigger hit, like if this was as big a hit as Dancing in the Dark, I yeah. could see myself getting tired of it. But because it's not, I I really like it still. Feel that, uh, Bobby Jean. Favorite song on the record. Whoa! Yeah, I'm giving it a. I like it. Please go in. Um, not much to go in on. I just it it reminds me of like, um, Born to Run era. I think it's done really well. It's just like a catchy song. Um, it's uh, I don't know. I just I I love this track. It's uh, I think it's like one of those Bruce songs that people tend to overlook, especially on a record so full of hits. I was actually surprised that this wasn't a single. Wild, right? No, because it's a song I was fam- I think I think people would be familiar with it, but maybe it's just that memorable. You know what I, I think mean? They would too, yeah. I mean it's it's definitely memorable. I just yeah, when I was reading through the uh the singles, like my hometown, I don't know, you could trade that in for No Surrender or Bobby Jean. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think that <clears throat> that section of the record Downbound Train, I'm on Fire, No Surrender, Bobby Jean. That's the strongest section of this record to me. Yeah, same. Like, like okay, so then I'm going down. Uh, dislike it. Yeah, don't like it. Glory Days. Um, I'm going to say I don't like it. I'm going to say I don't like it either. Even though, like... Yeah, no. I just put it in the wedding wedding test. Is that you're at a good wedding <laughs> yeah. and this song gets played. You're dancing with your, your significant other. This song, you're, you're dancing and then this is the next song on. Do you keep dancing? And my answer was no. Yeah. And I mean... I think I'm out. Yeah, I'm with you. I, for me though, like... This is a song like I could do on I could sing on karaoke and I think it'd be a lot of fun, you know. Oh yeah. This the songs be- that I dislike the most on this album, great karaoke songs. <laughs> That's true. All right, so Dancing in the Dark. Uh dislike it but great karaoke song. L- love love it and great karaoke song. And I would <laughs> absolutely stay on the dance floor to dance to this song. <laughs> really slowly and kind of, you know, Getting my Courtney Cox on. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, to close it out, my hometown. I'm going to say like it, but yeah. I'm saying I don't like it. I'm getting rid of it. All right. Worst song on the record, Working on the Highway. Yeah, hands down. Hands down. Get rid of it, Bruce. Like, we don't want it. Don't like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like that, that, that song, honestly, I don't want to go too hard, but I, don't know, I will. Like, it's... <laughs> If somebody had never heard Bruce Springsteen but kind of thought he was a joke and then heard that song, like it's, <laughs> you know, it's like exactly what they would think he is, you know? Yeah, that song, that's the, um, that's the, I wrote 70 songs and this is song number 66. <laughs> People are like, Bruce, this one, maybe not, bro. Right. And, uh, no, no, it works. It works. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, okay. Could a stripped down version of the song work? I don't think so. I would be very curious to hear it, but yeah, I don't think so. Would you 
dance to this at a wedding? <laughs> no. Could you sing it karaoke and have fun? I don't think so. I don't think I could actually. You'd yeah. have to be really fucking drunk to, to have fun with this song. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and, like, my... and, and most people would not be psyched. They'd want to hear any other Bruce song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you're at a table full of people. All right, I'm going to go do a Bruce Springsteen song. And they're, oh yeah, nice. And you do working on the highway. Right. <laughs> Everyone's looking at you with with like cross eyes. Like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> All right, so I have a question. Please. So um, you mentioned before how Bruce had claims to have written something like 70 to 80 songs. Yes. For this album, or not for this album, but kind of in this time period. Yeah, and the, um, because most of this record, I believe, was written between 1981 and 1982. Right, yeah. So kind of a few points and then a question, but one of the things I was thinking when I read that was, um, you know, how did he end up with this collection of songs? Because I know that there were different iterations of what this record could have been. Yes. You know, Yes. I wonder, like, I mean, I know that he's a, he's a really serious dude. I know he puts a lot of thought into all of this, but it is funny that with like that many songs that you would end up with a working on the highway on this album. Right. Um, so that was just one of my thoughts, but the other thing and the question is, like you said, one of the kind of iterations of the record that he was thinking of was basically a Nebraska born in the USA double album where I don't know if it would have been split up that way, but I think it would have right. been, you know, basically that collection of songs over two LPs. Yeah. If that had been the case, where does that leave Bruce Springsteen, you know, and his career at that point? Like, where does that record go and what does that look like? What do you think? Great question. Okay. <clears throat> One, there's no dancing in the dark. Okay. Would you agree with that? Yeah, agreed. I mean, I don't, I don't, know I don't that... think dancing in the dark was, was in Bruce's plans um, in a vision way until he was forced to write another single. For sure. Yeah. So let's say that's off the table. Two, I believe the song Born in the USA is a stripped down version that's much more like Nebraska. Okay. Because I think production wise, <clears throat> and this is all just hypothetical, we're in what if land right now. If he were to do a double album that is Nebraska and Born in the USA, those are two records that couldn't be further apart when it comes to production and the, the sonic nature of them. So let's walk down both roads. It's a more lo-fi version, less lo-fi than Nebraska is, but you know, production that's more in line with his catalog before Born in the USA than it is on that record. Um, I think it does well. I think it probably is popular. I think that certain tracks have less um footing and momentum in top 40 radio but that it would be well received and he would be lauded critically for it people would really like it people would be really going to bat for it on that level um, and it might be more celebrated years later as nebraska became nebraska is the record that i think a lot of people like nebraska is the cool bruce springsteen record like that record is just cool yeah, you know? it's the record for people who don't actually like Bruce Springsteen. Right, and it's it's fine, it's cool, but like it is him doing something that is not totally him. 
Um, but it's what a lot of people would really like to have him be, which is this kind of lo-fi, like, uh, you know, modern-day Bob Dylan type thing. But I think that even Bob Dylan wasn't the thing that Bob Dylan is purported to be, what people want him to be. Right. Um, so that said, if it is a double album and its production is more in line with his material up to that point, it does well. Um, perhaps some of the lack of cohesion that we talk about on Born in the USA goes away and he finds some kind of formula where it all plays together because I think that does matter to the dude. <clears throat> and if he had full creative control, it would. And there'd probably still be songs like Glory Days that would be pretty big. Um, I'm curious to see how swinging, like, you know, like, like toe tapping they would be. But I have a feeling they'd do well. And now to walk it back and go down the big room production way, uh, I think Born in the USA would be still right in front. I think there would be a much larger story behind it. I think that when you think about the narrative and some of the storytelling that he's doing on Nebraska, all of a sudden this record almost becomes a concept record. Um, and, and there gets to be a lot more of that element. Um, and the big songs are big, and we probably largely remember it for the hits. Um, but man... <laughs> My biggest concern, and then I want to turn it over to you and hear what you think of any of these scenarios and what you would think of it. It's got to be a long record, man. Yeah. Lots it, of songs. The, both Nebraska and Born in the USA are long enough. If he was doing a double album, is it clicking in at 80 minutes? Is it clicking in at 70 minutes? It's a long listen. Yep. All right, so what do you think? So... The long listen, I'm with you, but he did it before with the river and people rode for it, you know? So I think that he had kind of built an audience that was ready for something like that and kind of would have gone, gone along for the ride, but I don't see it being as successful because just by virtue of the fact that you have to be along for that ride, you're not going to have as many people, you know? Um, I think that like, it's, it's not just that it's, you know, and you said it was a long album before, but what is it like 40 minutes? It's not born, super born in the USA. It's 46 minutes. Oh, it is. That's pretty long. It's longer than I thought. Well, and, and you know, like that's part of it to me is you go, okay. Uh, yes. The river is 83 minutes. Oof. Yeah. Darkness is 42 born to run is 39. Um, so, you know, you go through his catalog. I have a feeling that he was looking at writing a 40 minute record. And then he kind of got told, Hey, we need another single. And you throw on the four minutes of dancing in the dark. And all of a sudden you're at 46 minutes. And then Bob got his favorite song. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> a song I love. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but that being said, you know, I think it's, it's the whole package of born in the USA. I mean, the cover art, you know, um, the photography on it, like everything, I think made it into the record that it was. It wasn't just the hits. It was kind of the whole, the whole deal. Yes. Um, I think, so I think what I'm saying is in terms of reception, I don't see him kind of leveling up the way that he did with this record. If it had been a double album, I see him kind of staying at the same level, 
maintaining, you know, a huge fan base, the record would have done great. I'm sure. Um, I think you're totally right that it would have been probably, um, more kind of respected over time. I think people, it's like a record that people would have revisited because there would have been just so much depth there. Um, but I don't really, I don't know. I, I think that at this point in his career, like right before this came out, the sense that I get is that he had already kind of, you know, made his mark. Um, and he would have been remembered regardless had he like stopped ma- playing music right then, you know? I agree. But I think that this record propelled him into like superstardom. Um, and we now think of him as this thing that we wouldn't have thought of him as had he done like this kind of arduous double album at the time. Like, I think it changes the whole narrative of Bruce Springsteen, honestly, if he had made that move. I completely agree. I think, do you ever get the sense with Bruce Springsteen that there's people who look at him and think that he somehow sold out by releasing a record like Born in the USA? Yeah, for sure. And I don't think that happens, even if the record's called Born in the USA, has the same art, has the same hits, but also is this arduous double album that has more of a narrative to it. Yeah. But I also think that would intrinsically, you know, I think it, I'm very curious um, if the record was more dense, had that double album feel. One, if the hits would have hit the way they do. Two, if people would have been receptive in such a way that they were, you know, I, I don't, I'm just not sure, you know, cause I'm also not sure that if he recorded as a double album that the, the, the song born in the USA comes out the way it does. Well, exactly. I mean, like does born in the USA come out the way it does? Is it like, you know, are the singles like born in the USA followed by Johnny 99, you know, like right. ha- what yeah. does that look like? Yeah. Because I mean, sure. Sure. Like, I mean, cover me being a single, like, come on. Um, yeah, I think there's there's a world. This changes his trajectory and overall profile. Like, I think that most people would still tell you this isn't the best Bruce Springsteen record. I think there's plenty of people who would. And if you go by the big songs, yep, this has got a few of them. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I, I, all right, let's do the. Uh, the 2020 way of the charts and see what are the most played Bruce Springsteen songs on Spotify. Um, Let's see this. I was just there. The most played songs. Okay. Here, don't look. Guess. Um, Popular songs. I really want to guess born to run is first. Okay. What's second in your guessing game? Oh God. I got to think through all these songs. He has so many hits. So many Um, hits. Uh, uh, Dancing in the Dark. Okay, yep. And give me one more. Round out your top three. Um, um, I think Born in the USA. Okay, well, so you got the top three right. However, Dancing in the Dark, number one, 252 yeah, million that. plays on Spotify. Yeah. Number two, Born in the USA. 
195 million plays. Now, Born to Run's the third track here, but it doesn't have as many plays, so I guess I should say I'm on Fire has 171 million plays. Wow. Born to Run has 162 million. And number five, Streets of Philadelphia, 1994 hit single with right. 126 million. So um, three of the top five Born in the USA tracks. Pretty safe to say that record is a lot of people's favorites, and it stays that way today. Um, <laughs> that said, it's neither of our favorite. Um, what is your favorite record of his? I think I might have asked that earlier, but just I think it's it. Darkness. I mean, it, it changes, you know, over time, but I think Darkness is the is my favorite. Yeah. No, it's. <sighs> Do you think if you were born in, if you lived in Oklahoma, you would like Bruce Springsteen as much as you do? Um, probably not because, um, I think the fact that he's from New Jersey is one of those things that made me interested, yeah. Um, in revisiting, I had already, like I said, you know, I kind of wrote him off and then, um, kind of decided to do the deep dive later on. Um, I don't know if I would have ever done that if he hadn't been from New Jersey, you know, I feel that. Well, so what my. Like I've never done a John Mellencamp deep dive, you know? Oh man. That's when we do the, um, it came from New Jersey road trip. Right. Uh, this is for future seasons when we start thinning out or, or just need to do a, uh, a winter vacation. We do. Exactly. Uh, road trip. It'll be, a, we go, we go do another state or town or something like that. Um, is this record more interesting than it is good or more or better than it is interesting? Uh, more interesting, definitely. Yeah. Um, I like I said, I would rather listen to a lot of Bruce albums over this. Um, but I really like talking about it, and I think it's a really interesting time in his career. I think that you know, like we were talking about with the you know kind of potential revisionist histories, um, there's a lot of there's a lot going on at this point, and it's interesting that you know he ended up with this record compared yeah. to any the 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 you know number of different other records you could have ended up with yeah because i think you're you're, you said it exactly right this time of his career um the way this record sounds like we really could spend some time with that and talk about it more but but i think you get the feeling this is a big record and um it sounds like that he it's like saying hey i've been known for being rock and roll and, and writing these songs and I have some hits, but I'm going to write a gigantic rock record. And I'll say this for all the negative connotation that could go along with that. And some of the things that we've said, we don't like this song, don't like that song at no point with this. Well, very rarely. And if you ask me on a whole, I would say this is not a corny record. Yeah, I don't think it's corny. I mean, some of it, I think, it sounds really of the time. I mean, it's very 80s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, um, that's that's part of it. I pulled back from saying, I don't think there's any parts on this where I'm like, this is dated or this is corny or it doesn't feel. There's a couple moments. But as a whole, I think this is a record that stands up. And 
then I wouldn't, I think if you uh, are interested in music, you should listen to this record at some point. This is a cool record to listen to. And it was, like I mentioned in the comment about if you were, if we were doing a podcast about the 1980s, I think this would be an important record to talk about actually. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think it's, if you're a non Bruce fan too, and you know, you kind of write this him off in general, but then like particularly this record, I mean, there's definitely more depth here than, than, uh, than you would think. Absolutely. You got anything else on it? Um, one quick question. Um, I read one criticism of born in the USA that it was basically irresponsible, um, that he had kind of not been more forthcoming about his politics in these songs. Like they're written, you know, you can listen to born in the USA and it just sounds like a rah, rah America patriotic song. And I think some people, some critics, some critiques that I've read of it are that, you know, he wrote it in a way where it could be intentionally misunderstood um, and I think it has been misunderstood, you know, when we talked about that, but, um, and apparently there were lyrics that he wrote actually, you know, prior to this, the, the version that ended up on the album that were a lot more kind of straightforward about, you know, this person's experience and, you know, kind of critiquing the Vietnam war and this and that. Right. Um, do you see it as irresponsible? Do you see it as him trying to make it more pop friendly? Like, what do you think? Because for me, like, I think that he, you know, got his point across in the way that he wanted to get it across. And I don't know that, um, I don't know that like getting more detailed about things would have, would have helped or hurt it, you know, but what do you think? I think it's an incredible question. I no. uh, it was not irresponsible. The lyrics, <clears throat> when you read the verses to Born in the USA, if you don't read them and see or hear that there's critique happening, you're not looking very hard and you must have a very <clears throat> different view than the majority and especially speaking to the time uh, because this was a major issue. I, I don't know if it's totally felt and understood. It's something I remember being young and it was a very frequent conversation. You know, the, the movie born on the 4th of July, the, it was a book. The book is a much darker read than the movie and the movie is grim. Uh, it's a movie starring Tom Cruise. If you've never seen it, anyone out there, you you should do what you can to see it. Um, Not only do I think it's a well, well done, it's not a happy movie for a movie called born on the fourth, born on the fourth of July. It's, it's really dark, but it's to me a very honest look at the way a lot of people came home from a a very ugly time in our history. And you know, there's going to be parallels to that right now. Um, But so where I think there's misunderstanding is that I think there's people who hear that song and mumble mouth, marble mouth their way through the, the choruses or think it's just some like jabadoo folk song thing until they hit the big chorus and then it's all stomping your feet and yelling born in the USA. That said, 
what should he have done differently? Could he have been more pointed? I don't know. I do know that he was pretty open pretty soon after to clarify. Like, it wasn't like he was mute uh, to talk about, like, yeah, no, this is a song about <laughs> about people coming home from the Vietnam War, you know? Um, and I, that's where I think the question comes in is that he experienced the level of success, popularity, and a rise in fandom from people who, if they more closely paid attention to the lyrics, perhaps may have taken offense to them. But I wonder also on the other side of that, if he ever opened anybody's eyes and had people question things a little more. And that's a credit to him. So no, there's nothing. I would not say it's irresponsible. I would say that it's fascinating. It's really an interesting question. It's something I think people should ask of themselves is, artist's responsibility to art or to the world around them. And I think there is some, but when it comes to this creation and creativity, um, that there should be no chains to how far someone can go, especially when it's this kind of a thing. He's not preaching hate here. He's, he's talking about something that was a very real and vital movement. If, if anyone is hearing this and is curious about it, um, look up the numbers on Vietnam War veterans. Um, the numbers that ended up homeless uh, is staggering. The number that ended up with criminal records, staggering. The number that ended up with very serious mental health, uh, drug abuse, and suicide rates, uh, it's just outrageous. So do a little research on that. Um, I am someone who who does love America and I guess the broadest definitions of those words, but but that's because I understand and, and want to see those ugly parts, you know? Um, I think it's important to know that that's not the stuff we celebrate if you love America the way you're supposed to. If you celebrate the Vietnam War, the, you're, you're doing this the wrong way. Um, and Bruce was doing it the right way. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, I just, critiques like that, you know, I think uh, how heavy handed do you want people to be? You know, I mean, I think that if, you know, the cover of the album is Bruce throwing black paint on a, you know, American flag or something, it's like, A, that's not what he was saying and that's not what he was trying to communicate, you know? Um, But B, like he was communicating these things in his own way, which they're really nuanced, you know? Um, And I think to look at a song like born in the USA and to say like, like, you know, it's anti America or, you know, it's anti it's, it's not, not patriotic or this or that that's wrong. But then to say that it's like this super patriotic rah, rah America song, that's wrong too. You know, like, um, I saw a band once in, uh, New York, they were called rocket from the crypt. It's a San Diego band. Great. band. I'll, I'll never forget. Um, you know, the singer is kind of, uh, he's always making jokes. It's like kind of a show. And, uh, the audience that night had been particularly kind of boozed up and everybody was, you know, being loud and obnoxious and yelling songs and, you know, just making a whole scene. And throughout the whole set, every time they broke for a song, he'd just be like, you know, you can't choose your audience. You know, you do your best. You can't choose your audience. You know, yeah. It's one of those things that I think about a lot because like, um, 
you know, are there people who like Bruce Springsteen that completely disagree with his politics? Like, absolutely 100%. Yes, probably a lot of them, you know, but, um, and that's fine. You know, um, I think that people can get a lot of out of music if they're not reading the lyrics and they're not really paying attention to what's, you know, being communicated. Um, but for a lot of other people, they're, you know, kind of going along for the ride and reading the lyrics and, you know, maybe this, like you said, you know, maybe somebody read the lyrics of this song and found out that, you know, the whole thing had been influenced by born on the 4th of July and read the book and, you know, got more involved. However that, you know, whatever that might mean. Yeah. Even, Um, even just awareness can be more involved, you know, for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a fair criticism at all. Um, but I understand it because, you know, Mm -hmm. there are definitely bands that have been way more heavy handed about, you know, politics. I think about like rage against the machine, for example, Absolutely. And, um, and but I don't think it's, it, it's yeah. not what needs to happen. And I, I clearly it's not what Bruce wanted to do. So yeah, that's how I feel. Well, and, and it's, <clears throat> it's inspiring. Hmm, it's inspiring action or thought in different ways. And I think that's valid. I think that's something to understand. Um, and it's a good place to leave off this episode. Cool. So, Bob, um, this was my pick. I don't know if you have something uh, ready. I don't, but uh, this was a good one. So we're gonna we're gonna surprise the people with the next episode too. We're, we'll we'll get back to uh, the teaser trailer style maybe next time. But I've got a few to sift through before I make a final decision, and uh, and we'll be back at you guys next week. Cool. So uh, you can follow us on social at it came from NJ Pod. And you can write us an email at it came from njpod at gmail.com. We and really love the emails sweet. that we've gotten so far, so please keep them coming. And uh, yeah, we're pretty good about that stuff. So if you hit us, we'll hit you back. I promise. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs>